0: The current events and modeling for the youth, how to keep themselves safe, as well as giving them space to voice how COVID has negatively impacted their well-being, and asking how they would like to be protected by the adults in their lives.
1: This is the Brother Be Well podcast. We're focused on mental health needs for boys and men of color, including trauma and healing. This podcast series is sponsored by Blue Shield of California's Blue Sky Initiative. Get ready for real talk, and to our parents and caregivers, listen up, y'all. Hi, I'm Michael P. Coleman, content director for Brother Be Well. While 19.1% of youth have an anxiety disorder, almost 32% of teens, one in three, suffer from one. Similarly, about 20% of all teens suffer from depression before they reach adulthood, and only 30% of those depressed teens are being treated for it. It's easy for us to see that both of these statistics are on the rise in part due to our being at the time of this production over two years into the coronavirus pandemic. Today, thanks to the support of Blue Shield of California's Blue Sky Initiative, we're discussing two mental health disorders, rather, anxiety and depression, being disproportionately managed by youth in the COVID era in which we're living. And we're going to talk about all of this today with Mirela Giddings. She's an associate marriage and family therapist with hearyou.org. Hey, Mirela, how are you doing today?
0: Doing great. I'm happy to be here and educate
1: on a really important topic that I don't think gets talked about enough. It's not talked about enough, so let's take care of that right now. Let's get into the conversation right now if you're ready. Absolutely. Let's go. Let's do it. First, briefly define, and we've talked about anxiety and depression a lot on the Brother Be Well platform, but for the sake of this conversation, can you briefly define anxiety and depression?
0: Yeah, so for depression, you're going to be carrying more low moods, such as Feeling sad or hopeless, while anxiety mainly involved overwhelming feelings such as worry, nervousness, and fear. When working with youth, they'll usually think they have depression if they felt long, interrupted moments of sadness. And they may self-diagnose anxiety if they find themselves nervous when doing or attempting to do various things. But these are just baselines. Anxiety and depression can actually present differently per person and can even coexist at the same time.
1: We're going to get into some of that a little bit later in the discussion, but it's really fascinating how in some ways they can show up similarly, and in other ways it's pretty obvious that youth are dealing with one or the other. Absolutely. There's that correlation that we're we're starting to talk about a little bit. The former often leads to the latter. Anxiety sometimes leads to depression. Can you mind telling us about the impacts of anxiety and depression in our youth, especially if either or both of those conditions are left untreated?
0: Yeah, so anxiety and depression can des- uh, can definitely exasperate each other and create this cycle of symptoms. I've definitely seen in equal amounts how each can be a symptom of the other. You know, if depression and anxiety disorders are left untreated during childhood, it can lend itself to an increase in behavior problems, declining school performance, social issues, substance use, risky behaviors, or even withdrawing from previous activities that, you know, the child may have enjoyed uh, previously. Um, You know, these crucial activities and experiences lend themselves to core identity development in the younger years. So if it's left untreated and it persists into adulthood, we see an increase of later anxiety disorders, depression, substance dependence and other ways of causing dysfunction with some of these becoming their core coping mechanisms to adulthood and due to their prolonged use. And so it ultimately makes it harder, but not
1: impossible treat. You mentioned, really, and I apologize, You often when we're talking to clinicians, you use the term, and I love the term, cycle of symptoms. Does that just mean a, a group of symptoms that are kind of coexisting at the same time? Is that what you meant by that?
0: So by cycle of symptoms, I meant that they're kind of feeding each other. Mm -hmm. So, right, your anxiety is getting worse and it's causing you depression because now you don't want to go out because you have like these overwhelming emotions. But that same anxiety is feeding into the depression because say you're missing out on social interaction. So that's what I meant by cycle of symptoms.
1: I get it. I understand. I really appreciate you helping me with that. The, the very existence of COVID in all of our lives and the resulting, you know if you can remember early on, the shelter in place orders, all of the isolation and all of that, it can and has caused anxiety and depression in all of us, independent of age. We're talking about youth today, but we all felt a little bit of that, if not a lot of that. As an associate marriage and family therapist, can you walk us through the mental health pitfalls that our youth especially may be facing due to this pandemic?
0: Yeah, one of the main pitfalls that I've seen in youth is that they're socially stunted, often saying in some iteration that they are feeling nervous in social situations now that we've come back from that quarantine. And a lot of this has to do with the sudden withdrawal from their community that has led to them not knowing or not putting into practice how to socialize or even make friends. So they're having to relearn again how to socialize, emote, and understand cues. And some of these students have developed anxiety around how they create new connections. You know, they over-evaluate their interactions. Whereas other students, the anxiety is presenting itself as kind of word vomiting or oversharing information. They're so overwhelmed in their need to connect with others that they find themselves becoming isolated and find that other students aren't responding to that. Um, you know, the students have fallen into lower moods and greater vocalizations of apathy. So for many youth, quarantine has forced them to be stuck at home regardless of their family, even if it was toxic or healthy. And so not being able to even use school that moment of reprieve from their family, they found themselves relying heavily on coping skills that they had before. Um, which has led to them kind of overusing them. And so they don't get the same benefits that they had previously. So now many of them have lost joy and interest from these activities
1: due to their overuse. And they just feel stuck. And it's so interesting to me, I think we need to really, we're all committed to caring for our youth and taking care of them. Everything you've described, I felt on some level. So, you know, I with decades Mm -hmm. of coping mechanisms and, and, maybe a skill set or two that a young person hasn't developed yet. If we're all feeling that, it makes total sense that our youth would be, uh, for lack of a better word, struggling. They're having a harder time. And and I the the conversation, the information you just gave us about getting used to things that they used to enjoy, but they're they're not getting that same level of enjoyment out of it. That just really touched home. We've got to be really careful, I think, of of our youth and help take care of them during this time.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely.
1: Let's talk about specifically anxiety and you touched on some of this a little bit earlier but what are some of the very specific signs of anxiety in youth? And then the second part of this question is it true that some of those signs we talked about it earlier they're similar or identical? How do we how do you sort them out then? What, what are the best ways to determine one from the other?
0: Yeah, so, you know, I think a lot of times people think anxiety is exactly how it's represented in the media. Um, but that is not always the case. Definitely, you want to be paying more attention to body cues and language. And especially for youth, if they are voicing that they are nervous, pay attention to that. If you as an adult are noticing that they are afraid to speak up or they're you notice that they are not feeling hungry, caused headaches, um, that could be one side of anxiety. Another one could be maybe their anxiety is presenting as impulsive behaviors. So really pay attention to body cues and language. Some important language, just again, to keep in mind is maybe they say, My heart is beating really fast, you know, I feel nauseous. Maybe you notice they are restless or start sweating. And so if they are showing some type of sign that they need to get out of the situation immediately, that is like the surefire way to. Notice that they are having anxiety, and in terms of you know how are they similar? It's true that they are similar in terms of excessive worrying thoughts, isolating oneself, and diminished interest in things you once loved. But we want to look at the motivators to see if one is a symptom of the other.
1: I think there was so much information there that was helpful. The one of the the most powerful things you said is when they tell you they're anxious. Let's listen to them. Yes. That that's great advice about a, any one of a number of topics. We really need to do a better job, I think, of listening to our youth. Sometimes it's hard for them to tell us what's going on. I've learned that, and so when they tell you, "I'm feeling a little nervous," please don't brush it off. Oh, it'll it'll pass. It's okay. It you know you got to really pay attention and dig in there and get the information and then get our youth the help that they need.
0: Yes, absolutely, and that that is, and I'll, I'll talk about this again, but really just voicing to the student that you are listening to them and you're not belittling them makes a huge difference.
1: Thanks for that, Mireille. I really appreciate it. Let's get into this next question. What are some of the specific signs of anxiety in our youth?
0: So some of the specific signs of anxiety in the youth are going to be things like when they're voicing nervousness, when they are maybe you notice that they start sweating, they're getting restless. They're basically trying to remove themselves from the situation. And so the best way that we want to address that um, or even try to treat that with these youths is we want to figure out kind of what their routine is and see if there's something in their routine that we can either improve or make changes in to help contribute to healing their anxiety maybe we find out they're not sleeping enough they're not eating enough their day-to-day interactions are limited and so looking at their routine and then also as somebody who's not a clinician whether you're a parent or a teacher is really helping them set up a space to decompress if things are becoming overwhelming say at home let's make sure there's a des- area where they can take a break because that can be like a huge game changer for the youth and you know for some of my students their version of decompressing is just being able to burrito in bed without being you know accused or questioned just really just letting them um calm down and come to a grounded place just you want to create something safe during times of high anxiety
1: There's always so much you bring to the table, Mirella. One of the points you just made reminded me, and and I'm certainly not a youth, but of a time when I was dealing with anxiety and I had made the connection until I talked to first my medical provider, my doctor, and then he referred me to a therapist. I wasn't sleeping. I was only sleeping two to three hours a night and I was powering through thinking that that was all I needed. And, And my doctor was the one that said that could very well be what's contributing largely to your anxiety. You're not getting enough. Your body is not getting enough sleep. So sometimes it can be something really basic that can be fixed fairly easily and other times not. But, but it's important as as you just pointed out, let's pay attention to everything that's going on and try to get to the root of this thing.
0: Yeah. And just because you mentioned it, I just want to briefly say one thing that I found out is that especially because Starbucks and Dunkin' and all the coffee has become really huge, not even when I was in high school. But caffeine actually contributes to anxiety as well, right? So like when I mentioned earlier that sometimes people have, you know, they're feeling restless or they feel that the heart is beating fast, the caffeine does not help that. And so sometimes my students at the high school find that even cutting back on having that large coffee every morning before school helps them easier through their schedule. So it is really interesting.
1: So powerful and such an easy fix, such an easy fix. Mm-hmm. Let's look at depression now. How do we treat depression and what are the best treatment options for depression for you?
0: Right. So depression is also, you know, not a one size fits all solution, especially if that, you know, I know we're saying depression, but especially if anxiety or depression is not necessarily being caused by a bad environmental factors if it's something more chemical um earlier I mentioned that sometimes for when someone is vulnerable to their depression um but even before it gets to that point what you can do is notice listen and ask and that still applies for how to treat individuals who you think might be going through depression now While some of the signs I mentioned earlier are maybe more common, everyday things that your friend or the person you know is going through, if you have a gut feeling that something is off, ask them and be straight to the point in asking them. Don't beat around the bush. If they are struggling, believe them. Don't minimize or belittle them. And you know, as a friend or somebody who is in their environment, sometimes even just offering to be that support, whether that's, hey, do you want me to just listen? Or do you want me to give you advice or something like that? That is a huge game changer for someone who feels like they are completely alone in this situation. Um, And then just to kind of end off my answer, you know, you also want to look at their routine. Is there something in their routine that is triggering them That maybe they have just gotten, because again, that apathy point where they don't really care, but on some subconscious level, it's actually keeping them stuck in that same season. And so what I like to do, and definitely anybody can do this, what did you used to find joy in? And where do you find your content when you come home from work or school or whatever it may be? And how do we slowly start putting that back in our routine to start appreciating it again? It's a difficult question.
1: Well, you gave a heck of an answer to a difficult question, Mirela. And you mentioned, and I feel like every question I've got asked for some clarification, so I apologize for this. But you used a term I just really like. I don't know that I've heard you use it before. Notice, listen, and ask. That's an easy kind of, I'm remembering kind of fire drill: stop, drop, and roll or something like that. That's easy Mm -hmm. to remember. Notice, listen, and then just ask the questions when you begin to pick up the signs in our youth.
0: Yes. And that ask piece, I can't emphasize this enough, but people tend to be, I mean, it is, it's a scary topic, but when we're dealing with something like this, be honest in that question. Do not beat around the say Say something like, I'm worried about you. I noticed this. Are you thinking about suicide or are you thinking about self-harm? You have to be direct in those situations, right? You don't want to miss something.
1: You, you don't want to miss something and you certainly don't want to have a, 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 a an outcome that none of us wants and then feel mm-hmm. like if you had only asked the question, maybe things would change. You we, you know, we could, if only ourselves to death, but often it's, mm-hmm. it's too late. It reaches a point with suicide where it's too late. So you got to ask when the person's there and they're struggling and they're saying some things, notice, listen, and ask. I really love it. That's going to stick in my head. I really appreciate that, Mirella. <laughs> We're moving, we're talking about anxiety and depression in the COVID era. And at the time of this production, we're moving from a pandemic. We're now told this is an endemic phase of this thing. And that means the virus has pretty much set up shop. It isn't going anywhere anytime soon. It's going to be much like influenza or other health threats that we've learned to manage and coexist with. What are, from your perspective, what are the best ways to protect our children and youth from all of the psychological impacts of COVID? Again, it's not going away. So how do we best help them? buffer themselves to the, to what they're going to have to run into.
0: Yes. Yeah, so educating the kids on the current events and modeling for the child, the youth, how to keep themselves space, as well as giving them, I'm sorry, how to keep themselves safe, as well as giving them space to voice how COVID has negatively impacted their well being. And asking how they would like to be protected by the adults in their lives. Additionally, you know, understand that the youth are going through just as many difficulties from COVID as you, the adult. Life is not easier for them just because they only have to worry about school. Or maybe I've seen a lot of teachers even say that, you know, they got a huge break, right, um, from having to move strictly to telehealth. That is not true at all. So really be open to communicating with the youth around these subjects.
1: So powerful. And I think I'm so surprised to hear that. I guess I shouldn't be. Um, But I I tend to think just the opposite, that the youth are having a harder time because, again, you and I have been on the planet a little bit longer. So we've learned how to manage trials and tribulations like the, the old folks used to say. Young people don't have that skill set. They, they They haven't yet learned how to weather those storms. So we've got to really keep a listening ear to them and, and help them along. Would you agree?
0: Yes, I absolutely agree with that. And it, it's true that they haven't had like the same trials and tribulations. And I think that's exactly what, you know, teachers, parents, adults are kind of seeing because from their perspective, the adult sees it like, well, they're just not able to hang out with their friends, but they're able to now play video games whenever they want. They're at home all the time. They're not having to go to school. Homework was much laxer in some cases. And then, you know, parents just see it as, you know, I have to give up my time at work. I have to figure out this X, Y, Z. And so a lot of times they forget that they need so much more than just that. It cannot just be good times all the time, right? There's something that is missing from there, and sometimes the adults just see it that way, and you do have to remind them.
1: Well, that's what this conversation is all about—reminding many adults of what we need to be doing. We talk about topics like this. Some of some parts of this weren't easy, but you made it easy for us, Mirela Giddings, Associate Marriage and Family Therapist with HearYou.org. Thank you so much, and, and I'm already looking forward to next time I get to talk to you.
0: Absolutely, thank you so much. Glad to be here.
1: You take care. <laughs> we'll see you next time. See you next time. We touched on with Mirela Giddings for a moment there. We talked about suicide. So we'd be remiss not to give you this resource. There's a National Suicide Prevention Lifeline available 24 hours a day. There's someone on the other end of a phone call for you if you're struggling, if you need help, if you just want to talk to somebody, call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, please, 800-273-8255. That's 800-273-8255 also want to thank our sponsor for this conversation and all of our Parents and Caregivers series. That sponsor is Blue Shield of California and specifically their Blue Sky Initiative. That initiative boosts access to mental health support. You can learn all about that incredible program at bluesky.blueshieldca.com. I'll give it to you again for our podcast listeners, bluesky.blueshieldca.com. One more website, if you can take it, Brother Be Well, our own, brotherbewell.com for further exploration of physical and mental health topics for boys and men of color, African-American boys, Latinx boys, Native and Indigenous, Asian and Pacific Islander, and we uh, LGBTQIA plus community members that enhance and enrich those cultural communities. All of it's there at brotherbewell.com. Videos just like this one, audio podcasts, print pieces, compelling uh, stories of resilience and recovery. Um, links to resources. Everything's there for you at brotherbewell.com. You can join Brother Be Well for free. So do that right now. And while you're on that site, please sign up for our blog. Just put your email address there in the drop down and you'll begin to get two or three times a week notifications when videos just like this one go live on that platform. So check all of that out before you get into whatever you got coming up next today. Brotherbewell.com is that site. My name again, Michael P. Coleman. I'm content director for Brother Be Well. I want to thank you for your time. We don't take that for granted. Thank you for listening in or watching this video. And I want to encourage you to do two things before we get to see you again. Take great care of yourself. And we're trying to help you do that here at Brother Be Well. After you get that down, do me a favor. Take care of somebody else, too. Till next time. Bye-bye. God bless. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Brother Be Well podcast. Join the BBW membership at BrotherBeWell.com so we can learn to heal trauma together. Thanks also to Blue Shield of California's Blue Sky Initiative for sponsoring this podcast and supporting parents and caregivers in need. I'm Leon Guidry, and that's all for now.